The wealth of tech that's available now is just astounding. Just walking the halls at any conference is eye-opening. There's hundreds of vendors vying for your software budget. So how do you choose what's right for you? And how can you filter out the bright, shiny ones that inspire and excite, but might not be the best fit for your business? In this episode, John Arn from Tech Tape joins me to talk about pain points in tech growth and how to resolve them. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information and resources on this rapidly changing short-term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new and what will help make your business a success. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and as ever, I'm super delighted to be back with you once again. I can't believe that it's been over a year now, and I seem to have passed this anniversary. It's over a year since I sold Cottage Link Rental Management, and I have not been a property manager for 12 months. It's been a nice ride the last 12 months. I've really enjoyed being a little freer of the issues that surround being the CEO of a property management company. And I realized that once I left it, I had been spending all my days, every day, all my spare time thinking about the business. It was always on my mind. I'd wake up in the morning thinking about it. It would be the last thing that I had on my mind before I went to bed. And I often dreamed about it too. So I have enjoyed the last year. I'm really looking forward to the next five years as we build out the Vacation Rental Formula Business School, which is something that we've been working on so hard. And with our new website, nearly, nearly completed. That's going to be the culmination of a a year of work. And then we can really let that take off. But I have been reflecting a little bit about the 20 years I was a property manager, um, particularly on the tech side, because there's so much out there now. And you know, when I started in property management back in 2003, we began our operations with spreadsheets. We had a fax machine that was a very busy fax machine. And we had telephones and I was going to say very little in the way of automation. There was nothing in the way of automation. But over the years, software got developed and we built a tech stack that pretty much worked for our business, but it quickly became bloated. And I'm sure some of you listening know what I mean when I talk about your software getting bloated. It gets filled with the underused stuff that often duplicates something that you've already got, but it might just do that little bit extra. So you end up stacking software on top of software that all mostly does the same thing. And I would go to conferences and I'd get taken in by the bright, shiny options for everything from operations to guest services, to accounting, to floor plans, to photography, to owner acquisition. There's something for every single aspect of our business. And, you know, that was in the days when the exhibition hall wasn't the size of an aircraft hangar, which it is now. Now you can spend two days at a VRMA conference just talking to the vendors. You don't have to talk to anybody else. You can spend your whole time talking to vendors and you may not 
speak to them all. It's at once completely awesome and overwhelming, completely overwhelming. So how do you actually know what you need? What will make your life easier and your business more profitable? And what about all the different property management softwares that promise the earth? They all promise the earth and they've all got so many bells and whistles. How do you choose between them? And is there really a one size fits all solution? Lots of questions. And in this episode, I'm joined by John Arn of Tech Tape, who's going to steer me through this maze of overload and tech temptations and help us figure out how to create a tech stack that will be the right fit. So we're going to talk about the proliferation of software options, the common pain points that all managers experience, how to get started on the journey of finding the right software, and how we explore the often confusing world of revenue management options. So without further ado, let's jump on over to my interview with John Arn. So I'm super happy to have with me today, John Arn from Tech Tape, uh, also a property manager. So it's a huge welcome to you, John. We met, well, we didn't actually meet in Miami at the Book Direct show. I think we sort of passed in, yes. in the hallways and corridors or whatever and, and around and about, but we didn't meet until Barcelona a couple of weeks ago and we had a, a good conversation. And having had that conversation with you, I thought you would be great to come on the show and talk about tech and tech stacks and the pain points we all have as managers. But I wanted to th- thank you, first of all, for coming on and ask you to start off by just telling us how you came into the short-term rental business because you haven't always been involved in it. No, this is like my fourth or fifth career right now. Uh, so, But as everyone else in this industry has, I went to college and got a degree in short-term rentals. <laughs> no. <laughs> I wish. No, um, <laughs> we all fell into this in one way or another. And so very long story short, after kind of a you know, regular career, I actually wanted to go out on my own and build my own business. And it was supposed to be a real estate development business. And so I had a real estate, a couple proper, uh, properties that I was developing. And typically when you're developing, cash is always flowing out until you sell. And so I wanted to invest in a real estate asset where there would be monthly positive cash flow. And so that's how I kind of stumbled onto this uh, business. Uh, Initially, I had managers, but I couldn't find managers who would actually do the job the way I felt it needed to be done. And so little by little, I started sinking deeper and deeper and deeper into this industry. And that's the short version of the story. So where are your properties? My properties are in Honolulu, Hawaii. Very nice. And you know, it's a, it's a, it's not a huge portfolio, but um, it's a pretty profitable portfolio. Two bedroom, two bath condos, and I was the way I got into revenue management was these condos were generating, on average, consistently over two hundred thousand dollars U.S. dollars gross uh, on an annual basis, and everyone that I ran into who heard that was just like, "You can't do that with a condo." <laughs> And so with that, I, I helped some of my local uh, managers make more money. And then soon other folks asked me about uh, revenue management in other markets. 
And that's kind of how I gradually got into that area as well. Well, we're definitely going to come on to revenue management later on because, uh, you know, I've, I've said in, in many of these episodes and you've been very transparent that in my years as a property manager, we never used any rev- revenue management strategies at all. And th- th- so many times I, I tried to get into this and try to understand it, but had difficulty. And it was just in the last couple of years where much more data was available in mm-hmm. Ontario because up until hmm, 2017, 18, Airbnb hadn't really hit that part of the world. And it, most of our bookings were done direct and we just didn't, I felt we didn't have the data. But anyway, if I was back there now, we would definitely be adopting some different practices. And as I said, we'll, we'll come back to that a, bit, a little later because I just want to talk about general tech at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's overwhelming. There is so much out there. And I know when, when I got to the end of my tenure as CEO of Cottage Link Rental Management that I was becoming very confused, very overwhelmed. And I love the bright, shiny things. I'm the one, you know, I'm the one the vendors love <laughs> when I'm walking around, <laughs> when I'm walking around the exhibition halls, they can see it in my eyes. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a new bright, shiny thing. I have to have it. But with so much available now, what actually makes an optimal tech stack for a property management company? Is, is there a formula somewhere that says you need this one, this one, this one, and this one, and they'll all nicely work together? <laughs> I, I want this. I want this amazing answer. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know the answer already. Um, <laughs> let me just preface this by saying it's very interesting because most real estate industries, you know, multifamily, single family, hotels, whatnot, they're very slow to adopt technology. And it's very interesting because in the short term rental industry, like you said, so many people are chasing the shiny new object, right? It's like, oh, wow, you know, this technology can solve this and this technology can solve that. And so it's a very vibrant landscape with a lot of very innovative options that providers, the founders create. I think the problem is, unfortunately, everyone has built their short-term rental business their own way. Mm -hmm. And because everyone did that, every business is different and every business's needs are different. And so because you have two two sides that are variable, right? The technology is all variable as well as the management is all variable. It's really, there, there is no formula at this point. So what I would advocate for is really as simple as possible that fits your business at this point in time is really the optimum stack. I'm actually the opposite of you, Heather. Um, the vendors don't like me because I, they know that I'm evaluating it, but I'm not going to jump on board, right? Uh, and so I'm trying to figure out what they're doing and what's what's going on. And so I would say there are lots of products that have overlapping features and, you know, you might get one and then that feature that it includes might not work for your business, but something else might. And so do you add it on or do you not? And so it's really understanding your business needs first. And I have an approach to like a kind of a systematic approach to figuring out at least a core of your tech stack that has, has been successful for me and for some of my friends and colleagues and clients. But it really does have to be custom, mm. not custom built, but custom suited to your business. And you have to understand your business needs. So, so is there any software that every business should have? 
well. Of course, PMS, I do not advocate using, uh, you know, spreadsheets or, <laughs> you know, other, uh, at least not, not today, right? <laughs> um, well, that's, that's, so, that's all we had. That's all we had to start with, really. Yeah. No, and at that, at that point, that was really kind of how you managed it, right? And you can keep your calendar up to date. So I would say a PMS, again, that suits your, your business needs. I would say definitely revenue management software. Mm-hmm. Typically, the PMS has some channel integration. So if you're not trying to get on lots of different channels, you may not need a channel manager on top of the PMS. An operations tool to manage your cleaners and your maintenance. Mm -hmm. And then one thing that I think lots of people overlook is how you internally communicate amongst your team members, whether it's Slack, you know, some tool so that you're organizing and making sure it's not information is not getting lost. I think that would be kind of the core, core fundamental um, pieces of tech that you would need. We were working remote in our company since 2015. So it was it was almost a, a joy, <laughs> if, if, if you like, when COVID came and all our competitors were, were, competitors were, were just panicking to get people out into their homes and get them all set up. And just like, well, we've been working with Slack and with um, Ring Central, and we've been mm-hmm. doing this for, for five years already. So it was, it was very easy, but I, I completely agreed. Certainly that one, that uh, connection between all your team members. And of course, so many companies now have the remote team members. You know, it's, it's, there's, there's few, I think, where... Maybe in some of the destinations where there is still the the office where people come and pick up a key and they come and say hello uh-huh. to people. But would you agree that the majority now are managing remote, really remote workforces? I think our industry, you know, uses offshore or virtual virtual assistants a lot more than many other at least nascent industries. So most of the operators that I know have some level of uh, remote workforce. Yeah, I would agree with that. And because of that, the internal team communication tools and how that all works is really critical. Using WhatsApp, it's nice, but it's just very difficult to use as as a distributed team. I, I, found, I think um, I think many of us here over this side of the Atlantic find WhatsApp a little bit more challenging than they do in Europe because it's it's something that everybody seems to use and they I, I find that a little overwhelming. Just too many messages. Who are they coming from? <laughs> How it all hangs together. I watched uh, as you probably did Daniela Derin's uh, presentation yes. on WhatsApp for business and it was like it was it was an, an aha moment that I never knew. You could do this with WhatsApp. It's, it's incredible what she's doing. And yeah. I wish I could implement it. But because I have a distributed team, I just don't know how I would implement it unless I wanted to be on, you know, on my computer or, you know, something like that. But anyway, yeah, but what was, she's doing is amazing. Yeah, I will. I will put a link to because, um, in fact, Damien and Jan Palo have now released all the slides from the uh, Book Direct show. So I will put a link to those slides so you can take a look at them. Um, okay. So there is no real one size fits all then, <laughs> you know, one stack that works for everybody. That's not going to happen. But one of the most, I mean, you talk to a lot of managers and, and people who are, uh, who are looking after short-term rentals. What do you find are, there, are the common pain points? What are the 
pain points that everybody appears to have in their tech growth? There are some very specific and then some uh, common or generalities. I think in terms of specific feature sets, right now, I, I don't think there's very good solutions for trust accounting and accounting. There are solutions, and I'm not saying they're not good, but it's an aspect within our industry where um, even when you use a tech, you typically need to hire a consultant to manage that tech, and then it actually starts becoming more expensive than just having a bookkeeper or just having mm-hmm. an accountant do it. And then the business analytics side, a lot of the PMSs have a lot of data, but the data, for whatever reason, is not very accurate. It's, not, there's, there's, it's off. And so I think those are two areas that I think could use some more development in terms of the technology. But the more general aspect, I would say, is the pain point is that there are two sides. There are either people who just settle with the technology that they have, and they just accept that it's not working for them because it's too painful to switch. Or there are people who pursue perfecting that, like, you know, two, three, four features that they really want, get it, and then they break everything else that had been working for them. <laughs> and and it, it's true because the two PM, you know, two PMSs might have the same feature set, but the way it's implemented can work for one business and not, you know, the next one might not. And so that's I think I see people either settling or breaking things because of their pain points what specific issues they are, you know, that, that changes, but um, that's really the, the pain point that I went through myself. I've, I've switched PMSs more than 15 times. <laughs> I did a lot of brain damage and I, I was on, you know, I was refusing to settle. And then, and that's what brought me to this uh, where I am now. <laughs> uh, well, tell, how, how come you changed so many times? Because I kept on trying to find, you know, okay, now this is working. Now I want a solution for this. Um, and then, you know, I would find it and then the messaging would be all off because it doesn't function the way I was accustomed to. Mm-hmm. Now I want a mobile, you know, mobile app so that I can control everything. So, you know, and I kept on, I, I thought that the perfect solution was out there. And this is about you know six, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And to this day, eventually, you know, we may get closer to a perfect solution but as of now and within the next two, three years, um, I, I don't see that happening. You, you make a great point there. You know, everybody's out there looking for that perfect solution, you know, because you're investing a lot of money into a property management software. There's a lot of money and a lot of time. And every so often I will, I will recall the time in our company that, that we did go for the, all the bells and whistles and we thought it was the perfect perfect solution and we got right the way through to launching it and within two weeks we we just roll back to what we originally had which was our homegrown mm-hmm. system because our homegrown <laughs> system was so much better um, yep. we we lost a lot lost a lot of time we lost a lot of dollars on that one and then we ultimately did go on and find another one it was a, a very simple software that that served our purpose. But I, I think the last four years, four or five years before we sold the business, we were doing demos every month or so 
Sometimes doing the demos two or three times and it was all very exciting, but we just never got to, you know, pulling the lever and saying, we're actually going to go for this because there is nothing out there that is going to give you absolutely everything that, that you want. And even if you want, you know, a dozen simple things, it's likely that <laughs> one or two of them won't be there. And I know the whole trust accounting issue is, mm-hmm. is high on everybody's agendas. You want that to be built in. And that, that's, that is a tough one. So let's stay on this topic of, of property management systems because it's a really laborious process. As I said, you know, you've done it many times. I did so many demos. So choosing a new system is, is you know, it's open to errors of judgment and it's definitely open to falling into the bells and whistles trap. And I would definitely say at the risk of the ire of the vendors, <laughs> Don't just go to an to a, to a conference and fight, talk to the uh, salespeople and and go for it. After that, you've got to sit back in your office with the people that matter to you to go through the demos and do it in detail because you can so easy to fall into the bells and whistles trap. So, how would you advise somebody who's thinking, you know, I really need to take the next step and ch- either change my property management software? or go from what I've been doing on my own, maybe with a homegrown system, into something that's uh, customized? Yeah, so I actually do have a framework for that people can use generally to guide the, uh, the process. So the first and most important point, and I'll, I'll preface this by saying I am tech neutral. So I'm not, you know, this one PMS is better than another Again, because one could be you know, great for one person and one could be terrible for another. The same thing could be terrible for another. But the first step is not to start asking around for recommendations from, from people that you trust and just saying, hey, what, what are you using? It's great and it may work really well for them, but that does not mean that it's going to work well for you. So I would not go through you know, asking 10 friends and then whichever one pops up the most and use that. That's not the way to do it. I see this on uh, Facebook groups all the time. I do all the time. And yes. I, yeah. well, I, I respond I want to change, saying. <laughs> yeah, I want to change my software and everybody jumps in with something different. <laughs> exactly. So the process that I've developed, again, through the 15, uh, 15 shifts that I've done, <laughs> the first filter is identify for yourself the channels that you absolutely, absolutely need to be on and make sure that whichever PMS that you're selecting has a tight, tight integration with those channels that you need to be on. If it's not on it right now, don't trust them saying, oh, it's Q2 of, you know, never, never trust the roadmap. So it just has to have that tight integration at that point in time. That will... If, you know, if you're looking for channels outside of Airbnb, VRBO, Booking.com, Expedia, that will really filter down what you need or what you need to be looking mm-hmm. at. So once you've done that, then sit back and identify the top three or four features that are absolute must-have for your business and really focus on those three, four features. And that's what you're demoing for. You're demoing for the things that you you know your business needs and and then you're comparing how they differ between the different systems and then expect every other feature to be horrible for you. You might be pleasantly surprised and it might work for you, but just go into it knowing that all the other bells and whistles that, 
oh, and if you act now, you'll also get features, you know, C, D, E, F, and G. Just expect those to be horrible and just say, can I live with those features being horrible? You're managing your own expectations and making sure that you're getting the software that absolutely meets your needs. And like I said, don't trust, you know, oh, that, that feature is in the, in the roadmap. That's a way for a sales guy to get his commission. That's not a way to select software. And then the last thing, and this is very important, the new company will always say, okay, on such and such date, that will be the transition date. And we will turn your, you will turn your old software off and we will turn everything on and everything will be hunky-dory. It, it never will be. And so what you have to do is basically it, it's a ramp on and ramp, ramp off uh, strategy. You test a couple features at a time. You don't let them turn the old one off and make sure that your team, you and your team are all hands on deck during that period of transition and know that things are going to fall apart and you're going to have to manually fix things as you're transitioning. Those are such great points. Really, really good points. Um, I love the idea of of just expecting the (laughs) add-ons and the extras to be horrible. (laughs) Because... But I've been the, through it so many times. But the thing is, it's often that those are the ones that draw you in, you know, because everybody's probably uh-huh. doing the same for those for those main things you want. And then you've got, oh, they do this and they do that, and this is all going to be perfect. So I, I think that's a great way of, of, of approaching it to say, okay, if, if these things work, well, that's all well and good, but let's expect them not to be great. Yes, I'm all for managing expectations, both of guests and for myself and my team. And so uh, <laughs> just go in expecting horrible. <laughs> no. Yeah. I'm I mean, I, I don't have anywhere near the experience that you do of, of all these transitions. I, I can't imagine it because I, I know the pain that we went through when we, we did the, not the last one, but the previous one. And it, it was, it was horrible sleepless nights. And then of course, when, when they did press the button and everything rolled over and then we had crickets for three days, not a single mm-hmm. inquiry. And of course we'd chosen exactly the wrong time of year to, <laughs> to yes. do it as well. <laughs> you know, we, 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 we started looking for our software and I think this is an important one. We started looking for our software uh, at the end of a season. So it's all nice and quiet. The end of the season, mm-hmm. let's start looking. But the problem with that was, was by the time we'd um, gone through the onboarding and implementation phase and got to the launch, it was just the beginning of a new season. And right, right. it, you know, it's going to take six months uh, at least. And yeah, if, uh, my my advice would be if you're going to start looking at new software, look at it at the beginning of the season so you can start in, start putting it in place when you're quiet. <laughs> exactly. What, one comment I just want to have on that, or this whole topic, is the problem and issues that people, the pain point of transitioning, it's very predictable. It's just everyone does it once or twice. And so everyone is making the same mistake over and over again in a distributed way, right? And so, but the knowledge and, you know, the process is there. Mm-hmm. And so if, if, if you can help manage expectations on that process, it actually shouldn't be as painful. It is painful, but it shouldn't be as painful as most people have it because it's their first time. So, so what are those expectations that you should have? 
like I said, well, you mentioned about like the timing, right? I, you know, I mentioned that it's not like we're going to flip this off and turn it on, right? Because that's what every, everyone runs into, mm-hmm. right? And then multiple things fall apart at the same time. And you're like, and, and you've been told everything's going to be exactly the same, right? And so there, and you also need to, this is very important. You need to actually have a data backup before you start because most of your historic data is not going to transfer. Mm-hmm. So you have to take it upon yourself to make sure you have access to your historic data. But these are all things that are predictable if you've run into the pain point out once or twice or 15 times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would never have wanted to run into it more than once, let alone 15. <laughs> okay, that's some, that's, some really good, uh, that's some really good advice. I want to move on to revenue management now because, as I said, this is something that we should have we should have implemented so many so many years ago and and i spoke to, i've spoken to so many people on this podcast where i've mentioned it to them andrew mcconnell for one andrew comes onto the podcast once or twice a year and just about every time that he did that he told me you are leaving money on the table and i would say hey you know we're it's he would come on in january because he usually andrew is the, is my very first guest of of the year and we talk about what's happened in the previous year and what's coming. And, and I would say, hey, we are just fully booked for the summer. He said, that is not a good <laughs> thing to happen. And I'm, yes. and I'm thinking, yes, it is. <laughs> you know, our owners are happy. <laughs> said, no, 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 no. You've just left so much money on the table. It took me a long time to really appreciate that, that uh, it wasn't necessarily a good thing to be fully booked six months in advance. Yes. So, so- tell me about why we should have done this and you know any small company out there that's perhaps thinking about this now why should they be taking it really seriously right so before in the, in the beginning of the podcast you said you didn't have a revenue management strategy you actually did have a strategy <laughs> set it and forget you, it <laughs> well no you had your your seasonal peaks right you had your weekday weekend you knew your market right mm-hmm. and oh, so yes. Not having the data, you still had a strategy. You just had to manually implement it. And because of that, it was very limited. But you did have a strategy. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you would have one flat price all across the year and just waiting yes, for bookings yeah. to come in. So you did have a strategy. Oh, and that makes me feel better. Mar- <laughs> oh, of course. No, you definitely did. And, and you knew your market inside and out in terms of the, the trends, the overall yes, trends that you yeah. anticipate, right? So that's the the foundation of a strategy, understanding your market and knowing when to go up, when to go down and adjusting. Now we have dynamic pricing software, which ingests a lot more data and information and helps you refine and implement that strategy at a much higher, higher uh, level. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, tools like Price Labs, Wheelhouse, Beyond, those are tools and when you implement it, most people will see a bump in their revenue because it's being more responsive to the market. But there are still tools. And my analogy is those are like F1 formula uh, race cars, right? But you still need a driver if you want to win the Grand Prix, right? So those tools help and make it a lot easier to get the data and be responsive. And then on top of that, if you add a revenue manager who's actually using the tool, driving that car, 
that's how you actually win the race, right? Mm-hmm. And I know over the past two years, we've had you know an amazing boom in our market, uh, in our industry, and so you know many managers are like, oh my god, I'm thirty percent higher than last year. This is amazing. Well, there are markets, you know, where people were saying that and other folks were 70, 80, 90% higher. And so you were leaving a lot of money on the table. And so now we're getting to a point where there's a software and revenue management as a discipline is starting to, as a discipline within the short-term rental industry mm-hmm. is starting to formulate. I think um, Emily Patillo and Jordan Locke and some other folks are, uh, Sarah Franzen are like, Try for have already started an organization for revenue managers in the short-term rental industry. And so that's kind of happening so that it becomes a formal discipline. Mm-hmm. But really, I would say if you're not taking revenue management seriously, you're not only doing you and your business a disservice, you're doing your owners a huge disservice because you are not maximizing their asset. So I think it's, you know, every manager really needs to take revenue management as a serious uh, part of their business. So where do they, where do they start? How, how does, how does, you know, a small manager start looking at choosing what's right for their business? Cause you, you've, you've pointed out that the software is one thing, but actually mm-hmm. having somebody to drive that software is, is another, and that begins to, you know, add to the expense when, you know, the smaller, smaller property managers are on a budget. So... The first step is to get on a reputable software, right? So get the car, buy the car, right? <laughs> you have to have the car to start driving it. And depending on how much involvement you want, you know, different tools have different, you know, can produce different results. So again, I'm tech agnostic. Any one of those tools that I mentioned, and I'm sure there are others, are, are fine. When you hire a revenue manager, by bringing on that tool, you should anticipate making more money and not as that tool as a as an expense, but right. a, as a revenue generator, right? And then when you bring on a revenue manager, that revenue manager should also be making you more money than if you were just using the software. So it's not an expense. And if that's not happening, then you should be finding a different driver, a different revenue manager. The revenue management also has to be aligned with your market, but also your risk profile, Right. If you really want to try to maximize your revenue, you might take some more risky uh, decisions and at the end of the year, make more money. If you mm-hmm. want to kind of, you know, you know, straight out, like kind of consistent three or four months booking in advance, then they're probably not going to make you ask, you know, that much more money. Right. Yeah. And those are the kind of things that you need to understand as you're hiring. But a revenue management software and a revenue manager should be a value add to your property uh, to your business and not a uh, not an expense mm-hmm. and then on top of that it should save you and your team a lot of time so those are the ways that a revenue manager should be adding value to your business it's interesting a couple of things that you said because um i don't know if you've well i think you have been following the 10 mistakes series that brooke fouts has been um... i'm still waiting for brooke to ask me now <laughs> i'm kidding <laughs> And then there's a couple of them that have come up, you know, over and over again. And one of them is, and I I think I wrote that in my list, was one of my mistakes was going for the lower cost option and missing out on the benefits I would have got to, to, 
to invest in something that was really going to work to push the business forward. And I think, you know, this this is probably what we did with revenue management. We did adopt some practices, you know, oh, we'll raise the rate for the last week of July and the first week of August because we know they're so popular. As you said, we did have a strategy. It was a very basic strategy, but we did that probably to the to the detriment of, of actually maximising our potential if we'd actually bought into revenue management and hired somebody to do it properly for us. The other question that, and I can't remember, I think it was Steve Schwab on this morning's list, and he made he made a mention of something I hadn't seen before. And that was, you know, never be afraid of asking the basic questions and mm-hmm. never be afraid of saying that you don't have the knowledge because you fear of fear being judged. And I think that's what, what I used to do. So I'm asking you this now because I don't care about being judged anymore. Um, about the difference between revenue management and data. You know, I, I see companies like Transparent and AirDNA and key data on the one hand, and then there's Wheelhouse and Beyond and Price Labs and Rented.com. And I, I, what are the differences? Because yes. you need the data to operate the revenue management side of it. So do you have to bring in those that data stuff as well? I will answer that. Can I just make one comment on the previous point that you made? Yeah. You said, uh, you, had, you know, bringing in revenue management and you probably could have, you know, increased your revenue. When you're going to sell a company, your company is based on the revenue that it's generated, or that's a multiples of, mm-hmm. of that revenue, right? And so that's another area where if you're thinking about exiting within the next, you know, one, two, three years, you should really be taking your revenue management very seriously because on the multiples, it could actually mean, you know, a substantial amount. Mm-hmm. So just, it, it's kind of a holistic picture overall. On the data, you bring up a very, very good point. And that's, this is something that I've been kind of pushing in my talks and everything. Our industry loves technology, and so everyone talks about we're data-driven, we're data-driven. We have transparent, we have you know key data, we you know, mash it together. All the data is very important, but data should be need, can only be used at this point to inform our decisions. So it can be as much data that you can actually digest and understand and make informed decisions on, and not the more data that you have, the better it is. Mm-hmm. So... What I would say is, you know, tools like Price Labs, Real House Beyond ingests data to kind of not hide, but to make the, the systems work, right? So there is a lot of data in those tools in and of themselves, but they're primarily there to help make sure that those tools are functioning to respond to demand, you know, demand patterns and whatnot. And that's good for that tool. Now, if you start going to Air, Air DNA, Key Data, Transparent, and you know those types of data providers, they have a vast array of different types of data, and so now within there you can get more refined information on your marketplace or you know your comps and whatnot. And so it really comes down to what information can you ingest to make informed decisions, and actually, if you have too much data, it actually I think there are many studies that show that it, it hinders or you end up making 
worse decisions <laughs> because you, you get paralyzed, right? Yeah, I've if, got. If you don't have the ability, yeah. I've got an analogy here. Well, it's not an analogy. It's a sort of comparison. Um, I was in Berlin a couple of weeks ago and went to a restaurant, and they brought brought out the menu, which was a book, mm-hmm. and there were probably 30 pages in this book. And I was paralyzed. We didn't eat there because I couldn't make my mind <laughs> up. I think that's that's sort of what you're, you know, is really an analogy for what you're talking about here. Right. So now if you have the technology or the team, data scientists to ingest it and be able to <laughs> process it to inform your decisions, that's great. But most property managers don't have a data science team. And so that's where then you kind of, you want to kind of adjust the data to a level that you can digest and make informed decisions on. That's my that's my point of view. Um, I should, you know, I was in Berlin in a restaurant with my data scientist daughter. I should, <laughs> <laughs> I should have asked her that question. Shouldn't I? <laughs> what should I choose from this menu? <laughs> Please digest it for me <laughs> and give me the top three, you know, yes. KPIs so that, that you could choose which which uh, <laughs> which dish to order. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay, so really, you know, choice of revenue managers is you know just just can I mean they all I mean I've spoken to all of them and I love the guys that run every one of them from you know Price Labs and beyond and Wheelhouse they're just amazing teams so when it comes down to choice is is there a is there a formula for for choosing the right one or do you just go with a you know like when I I used to go for a realtor to sell one of my houses I'd go mm. for the one with the nicest picture right I would not necessarily choose a tool like this based on the nicest picture as the only criteria, although the nice pictures can help you ingest the data. So, you know, that can be an important factor. Of those three tools, I think each has their, you know, pros and cons. And, you know, I I shared this directly with, you know, Andrew Kitchell, Anurag and Richie and uh, Ryan Saylor. But, you know, I think beyond pricing, they make it so that it's as simple as possible to kind of set it and forget it and like trust the algorithm to someone like myself, you know, that's challenging because being able to pull different levers when different things happen is something that is important to me, but there are many managers who want to just literally set it and forget it and do better Mm -hmm. than what they were doing before. And I think that beyond makes it really easy to do, you know, do that and achieve great results. Price labs, has a lot of data, a lot of levers that you can pull, tweak, and so it actually gets very confusing. And sometimes, if you have two different settings, it could override each other, and you don't get the results that you want. But it does give you a lot of levers. So if you know how to use it, it gives you a lot of, um, you know, a lot that you can. It's like mm-hmm. gymnastics, right? Yeah. And Wheelhouse is similar in that way. Now, Price Labs is also integrate it with a lot of different platforms. And that makes it so that you can, you know, pretty much use it anywhere. Wheelhouse has a lot of levers as well. Wheelhouse's, uh, I think, strong point is the visualization of the data. It makes it really easy to digest what's going on and compare your performance to the market. And so again, Switzerland, (laughs) neutral, (laughs) you know, I, I I have used and I use all, you know, all three of those tools depending on the situation. Uh, but there is no formula for which one you choose. But I, I think I kind of highlighted some of the pros and cons of, of the, yeah. three, the three big ones. 
I know. If I if I was back in in charge, I don't know how I would go about choosing, because you know certainly from the basis of of a property manager who's not used to this and who is just going to the conference and just going to the booths, I love them all. <laughs> Maybe that's yes. why I never did it. <laughs> that's why I never. I mean, we had Beyond was our sponsor of the podcast for two uh, for, for two seasons. And mm-hmm. I learnt a lot, in fact, because we were doing very short pieces in the middle of each episode, which was a question. You know, what questions are you asked by your clients when they're when they're coming to you for, to look for solutions? And and I think it, yeah, it was Ryan Saylor who was on for each one of those ten questions, and and that really opened my eyes to uh, to what was available. And then you know, I just love how Price Labs market themselves. And I spent ages talking to Andrew in Barcelona and, <laughs> and I don't know. I don't, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, the one. I'm going to be Switzerland too. <laughs> but I think Deborah Labby has mm-hmm. probably talked to all three of them in her Texplained series. So I'll make sure there's a link to that, that people can go and, and take a look at anybody interested in Beyond. We still have a good interview with one of Beyond's clients uh, on Vacation Rental Formula. So I'll put a link to that as, as well. If you, are, if you are out there looking for revenue management options. So, John, where do you think, I mean, te- everything's moving so fast, so, so fast with AI and just what's out there in the changing world of technology now. Where do you see the tech side of this industry going in the future? Yes, AI is the hot topic right now, not just in our industry, across you know every industry. But taking a step back, Francois Guello from Enzo and I just in Barcelona had a presentation on kind of the fragmented tech stack or technology uh, landscape in our industry. And so there are like multiple ways that it can go. So one is consolidation through acquisition. So big companies buying up smaller companies. And a lot of people wish for that so that you you would have one, you know, one one product that does everything. But I say be careful what you wish for because then your options get limited and mm-hmm. you know you basically end up with Microsoft and Google as your only option for you know for your top software uh, tech stack. The other is marketplaces within the PMSs that um, you know they've made partnerships or whatnot and they're displayed within the PMS. Uh, but that basically makes the PMS kind of the arbiter of what is and is not uh, your option. There's a white labeling where you can kind of bring things together and use other people's technology in a, in a, a very integrated way. Again, the PMS becomes the arbiter. And then for the t- short, for the time being, the one that I'm working with and I'm excited about is uh, the semi-custom build using no-code or low-code solutions like the Zapiers and mm. you know things of that nature. And what that enables you to do is to kind of cherry-pick the best solutions that works for your business. And then not that everything is possible, but you should be able to kind of semi-customize workflows that sit in parallel to your tech stack that is working for most of your needs. Mm-hmm. And so I think within the next two to three years, I think it'll be somewhere between of consolidation is going to happen, right? I mm-hmm. mean, private equity that, you know, that that's going to happen, but I, I think there's going to be a very interesting aspect of the semi-custom build 
And the reason why I'm even more excited about it is because AI makes these no-code, low-code options even more accessible to normal human beings. Uh, and you don't have to be a developer in order to access it. Uh, so I do see this area growing as well. I don't know if it's going to take over, but I think it's a way for the fragmentation to kind of settle down a little bit while still having a lot of vibrant options uh, for managers to choose from. Well, I think that whatever happens, you know, the uh, the proliferation of software is not going to slow down any. So for any of you who are planning on going to VRMA International in Orlando <laughs> or even to the DOM conference in uh, in. Um, Nashville December, I think, in right? December, yeah. you will be get to see all of these options out there because all the major players are going to certainly be at Orlando and a lot of them are going to be in Nashville. So get in touch with John if you're, if you're not sure what you should be doing. <laughs> and on that topic, um, John, just to wrap up, tell us about Tech Tape and what you actually do. Yeah, so... TechTape, we have three core services. One is we provide revenue management services. So we use, you know, Wheelhouse, Price Labs, Beyond, every, all the tools that you have available. And so we are the drivers of, of the software. We build and maintain semi-customized solutions for clients uh, to solve their very specific um, integration tech needs uh, within their tech uh, solution. And then we do provide some, like I call it owner's rep services for folks who are transitioning between PMSs <laughs> because again, uh, we can make it a less painful, uh, painful yeah. process. So those are the three tech-related services that we provide. And it's all based on, as a property manager, experience and the pain points that um, we've experienced and have been able to solve. I think if I was still in in property management, I would be reaching out to you because you know <laughs> making those choices can be very very expensive, particularly if you make the wrong ones. So I think having yes. having somebody alongside to help you make those decisions is is a is a really good thing. So yes, get in touch with John. There will be uh, information on the show notes as to uh, you know how to get in touch with him. And I am sure he will do a good job for you. John, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've really enjoyed this. And I, I have to say I, I, that the yeah. whole, you know, when, when I was in the business of running a property management company, I was sort of up there looking down, looking at strategy and not really getting involved in the, the detail of how it all happened. And, you know, to make a confession for the last four years of, uh, of, being in the business, I don't think I ever logged in to our property management software. <laughs> That's I, good. I, I That's a good not, thing for you. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know how to use it, but everybody else seemed to manage it and all the reservations went through and everything was pretty pretty darn cool. But uh, yes, this, this sort of conversation would probably have not been easy for me a few years ago. Now I'm out of it. It just seems to be like a walk in the park. <laughs> <laughs> of course <laughs> anyway thank you so much for for joining me i hope everybody's got some really good information from john and that you'll get in touch with him if you uh, if you have any questions i hope that's okay i'm just throwing that out there yes of course uh <laughs> linkedin is probably the best way to find me if you don't have my info but thank you heather this was amazing a lot of fun and i <laughs> look forward to uh you know meeting up with you at another conference Oh, I'm sure we will. I'm sure, well, it'll be Orlando and then Nashville for me. Yep. So I'll see you there. <laughs> Thank you, Heather.
you so much, John. That was a great conversation. And, and yeah, seriously, get in touch with him because we got to a point where I, I just, we knew we needed stuff, but was the stuff we needed going to be the right fit for our business or was it was the stuff that I thought we should have the right stuff for our business. And I know over time we did, we did bloat our software because I fell for, for some uh, bells and whistles. And it would have been very nice to have somebody to call on, on to say, Hey, do you think this software would work for us? Would it work with us with, with our property management software? Is it something we should be looking at? So yeah, I think this vacation rental world needs more people to be out there as the drivers. I love that analogy, you know, the Formula One, buy the car, but you've got to have a good driver to go with it as well. So hope that helped you. Hope you got some really good value out of that. Let me know if you've got any questions or if you've got comments on this whole issue of property management, uh, whole issue of um, the tech stack, because it's gone crazy from this tiny little stack we had back in 2003 to, to the potential of what you could have in 2023. That's it for this week. As ever, I've had such a lovely time bringing you yet another exceptional episode, because I think it's an exceptional episode. I uh, really enjoyed uh, talking to John and I hope you enjoyed it too. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week.